Hey, it's Brian here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Go Be More podcast. This is part two of our 2021 kickoff. If you want to hear part one, last week's episode discussed our experiences in 2020, as well as some of the bigger lessons we learned as co-founders, podcasters, and people. In today's conversation, we dive into my new book, Make the Leap, Think Better, Train Better, Run Faster. I launched the book one month ago, and now I'm enjoying the process of marketing and selling it. We cover the entire journey, from when I started thinking about it, to when I actually started writing it, and finally, what it took to get it done. And we talk a little about what's in the book, who it's targeting, and what my goals for it are. Mixed in are some stories about key experiences and some thoughts about how the very same principles I apply to running might be the key to growing a social media following as well. As is always the case, the journey is more important than the destination, and this podcast gives me a chance to share that with all of you. Before we get to the conversation, though, let me remind any new listeners about who we are at Go Be More. At Go Be More, our mission is simple. We want you to chase your dreams. So how does a clothing company help people chase their dreams? Well, I'm glad you asked. The clothes we wear are like every other part of our physical environment. They not only represent us, they reinforce who we are and who we're committed to being. When you wear a Go Be More shirt, you're wearing your personal commitment to Go Be More, to chase those dreams. And what better way to show someone you support them than to give them a physical symbol of your belief in them. We want the words Go Be More to remind you of your dreams every time you see them. As for this podcast, this is our chance to explore what it means to Go Be More with the people who inspire us and to share those stories and strategies with you. As always, if you have any feedback, you can email me at brian at gobemore.co or hit us up on social media. All right, let's talk Make the Leap. Hey, John. Hey, Brian. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm super excited about today's episode. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. I, I feel like I sometimes um, see you more on social media these days than I do on Zoom chats and everything. We're, we both are keeping quite busy. and uh, But it's been fun to uh, myself try to grow a little bit of a social media channel and you are working on, uh, you're managing all the Go Be More stuff. And so sometimes I feel like I, I, I have more interactions with you on like a comment thread than I do like uh, outside of uh, social media uh, some days. It's ironic, isn't it? Because yeah. I'm not a huge fan of social media in general, just because I'm not too sure how to think about it. To be honest with you, really, I, I I don't know how I feel about it 100% because what feelings I do have about it conflicts with what I really should be doing with it while it's available. Who knows how long this will be around, this world of social media and, and the way in which we're networking through social media. But yeah, I, I, have my, I have my qualms with it, but I'm trying to be more active. I'm just trying to learn through doing and so, yes, I'm glad that you're seeing me. That means I'm doing something and I'm active, which is good. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I'm kind of the same. You and I have both, we've had many conversations offline about this, but I, I feel like there's, um, I have a resistance to social media. And part of it is just that it's, it feels a little bit opaque, hard to understand, how hard to, uh, it's a huge investment. Do you, what do you get out of it? And then it also sucks up a lot of your time. And, but the funny thing is, I do believe and many, many, many people and companies show that that it is a super valuable channel, or what you say, to make customers, to build a community, to to grow your message. So we know we need to be on it, and it's a learning experience. And I'm sort of taking small steps and working my way up and trying to to figure it out and trying to just slowly build, you know, little by little. And I know you're doing the same thing. I can see it, and it's actually kind of fun to be doing it a little bit. It's a learning experience for me at this point. 
It is. The more I've, the longer I've done it, not necessarily the more I've done it, because I haven't necessarily posted a lot in general, especially on a personal side, but I, I do think it is fun. I'm having fun with it more and more because I'm understanding it differently in terms of how I want to experience doing it for other businesses, doing it for myself, doing it for our businesses in general. So I think that the more I feel like it makes sense to me in terms of who I am and how I'm showing up through all of this different stuff that I'm putting out there for people to consume, the better I feel about it. I don't yeah. know if that's the experience for you, but I know that you had a lot of reservation. And wasn't it just Twitter that you had before, like years ago, when we first started talking? Yeah, so Twitter was, and Facebook, I guess, but but well, Twitter you know outside of Facebook. What's funny is I didn't like. Uh, we should say the topic of today's episode. We we mentioned it last week, but this week we're talking about my book that I just published. My book is called Make the Leap, and as part of you know putting the book out there, I'm trying to create some social media channels for the book, right? So it's at make the leap book and you're doing all of our Gobi more apparel. Plus you have, you have your personal handles and I have mine, even though I don't really do much with it right now. But the, the point is we, we both have these channels we're trying to grow. And I have been trying to follow a simple system of trying to put, put a post out, you know, maybe like five or six a week, be consistent, make them be purposeful, you know, like try to add value into whoever's going to be listening and try to test what works and what doesn't, you know, like all these little things. I have this, this approach. And the funny thing is this approach is, it's literally like, I'm trying to apply what, what I think works for runners and what I write about in my book to social media. And I do think mm. it will work, except it's, it's just so new that it feels it's very early going. I have to sort of trust the process right now. Yeah, it's funny. It's hard to believe that what you wrote about in your book is relatable to things outside of running, but social media, it's how we think about it for sure. Like the way we're relating to it right now is how we're thinking about it is determining how it's really working out for us, how we're approaching it. And so we obviously are trying to adjust our thinking so that mm -hmm. we could adjust our efforts and obviously yield better results. That's the goal. That's what we're trying to do. I mean, it's That's not right. that we don't like social media per se. I mean, I guess I did say that already, but <laughs> that I don't necessarily like it. And in many ways I don't, but I do appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it for what it is. And I just want to find a way to do it in a way that's still true to me, but also that yields the kind of value that it has proven to be able to yield for countless businesses and individuals. Well, let's let's stop here for a second because I think I do I wouldn't mind talking a little more about social media, but maybe we should come back at the end because we are we do want to talk about my book, but I think what's great about this is that I think everything I wrote about in my book does apply to social media. Like I don't use those examples in the book, but they it really does apply. And I think maybe we can come back at the end and see how the concepts do apply a little bit, right? Yeah. But yeah, let's get going on the main thing. And that is we want to spend this episode giving everybody a little bit of an overview of my book, Make the Leap, Think Better, Train Better, Run Faster, and hopefully give everybody a good overview of what's in it. Well, the biggest thing for me that I want to highlight uh, before we talk about, I think the first really important thing is your title, Make the Leap. We want to define what that is for, for everybody. Just really quickly, Brian, you wrote a book. Holy cow, this is so freaking exciting and inspiring as a person who's a writer myself, who's working on my first, I think really my first real book that I want to get out there, which is going to be a book about my journey as a runner 
And, and just as a person and in, in, in how it relates to my running adventures, I guess you'd want to put it. I, I think it's amazing that you wrote a book. So I'd love for you just to talk about just for a second, how does it feel to have achieved such a big milestone? I feel fantastic. I feel really uh, a, a strong sense of, I don't know, maybe validation or something that I feel a sense of accomplishment that I was able to do to do what I set out to do and, and, and not just like write a book, but write the book that I wanted to write and feel proud of it. Like that's really how I feel right now. I feel like uh, early stages, it feels more like a milestone than a goal, if that makes sense. Right. Like if like one of the, the, the real goal is I think more to have, to have more people reading it and getting something out of it. Right. Like it's, it's the result that I want to create with the book is, is the goal. Right. But yeah, but, it is a maybe a goal within a goal to actually get it done, like to, to do it, to get it published, to have it be out there. Like 100%. I feel really good about where I'm at right now. Why did you choose the title Make the Leap? All right. So it's funny because that was not my original title. My original title was was something really bland, like, you know, the optimal training principles or something like this, right? And so, <laughs> you know, so uh, the, the reality is actually, uh, as I sat down and I was working on the book, one of the things I wanted to explain to people is how improvement actually happens. Improvement, we often think we just keep building, we keep doing our work and we just keep improving. But that's not really how improvement happens. We don't just keep moving, improving like in a linear line. We just keep going up. What happens is we spend a lot of time working on something with like no improvement at all. And then we have a rapid spike in improvement right? Mm. If you're really new to something, you might get a rapid spike of improvement right away because you're new. So you're going to learn, you're going to improve a lot right away. But once you get to a certain level, improvement doesn't happen very quickly. But actually the normal process of improvement is to have a long period of almost no growth and then a sudden spike and a sudden improvement where all of a sudden you, you realize like, whoa, I'm suddenly on another level. And that doesn't make sense intuitively to us, but that is actually the way improvement happens. And I call that a leap, right? The making the leap is that sudden burst of improvement. And I think that a leap, especially when you're talking about training or you're talking about a lot of, you know, things that you're learning and things that you're doing in, in your work or something, that is something that you can build systematically into your sort of improvement cycle, into your expectations. Yeah. No. And you describe my experience with it at the beginning of the book. And yep. it's funny because the description of making a leap I mean, it's exactly what I felt like I experienced when I went from being, and I mean, I think it shocked uh, everybody and yep. anybody that really is of track and field, the world of track and field and, and the world of running, especially at that point in really the sports history, because we were at a time where it wasn't necessarily very popular, but it was kind of like in this weird flux. It was, I feel like we were in a transition period honestly, around like 2004, 2005. And, and I was at a transition period in my life where I was debating whether or not I was even going to continue to run post-collegiately because I had suffered so many issues in, in my collegiate career. And then all of a sudden, I just made a, a choice, you know, and thought about things quite differently and approached the whole thing differently. And then I went from being somebody nobody knew to somebody everybody knew, literally yeah. within a, a matter of uh, months leading up to the big moment where I went under four minutes for the first time and was ranked number one in the world. And everybody's like, who in the world is John Rankin? And I, I, that's the only way I could describe it is exactly how you wrote about it in your book. And the, the things that you used to write about and describe anything in and around what makes up a lead is so fantastic. So I can relate through ex experientially, I can relate to what you've produced in this book. 
Well, I experienced one as well. And it wasn't to the level that you had where you went to like world class, but I, I had that exact experience, but I had it multiple times. I had one in high school. I had one in college. Um, it's very, very big ones. I think I had many ones also many leaps within the, within the, that process. And one of the things is like when you're training, you don't always, you're not always training to create a leap because you're not thinking that way about like how improvement happens. It's only, it feels, it feels strange. Like when you, when you say, Oh, Oh my God, he made a leap. What, you know, or, or look how, look how much better he got suddenly over the summer or something like that. And everybody thinks it's strange. But then if you go back and look at every runner's career, you see that they have two or three or four or five of these leaps throughout their training career. And if you look in other areas, you start to see them there too. And then you realize actually it's normal, but we don't actually appreciate how normal they are and that they are something that we can actually consciously attempt to do, if that makes sense. And that's what I want people to think differently when they read the book. You totally just tapped into the nerd in me, the runner nerd in me, because you said, if you look back over the course of a person, you know, many runners or most runners um, histories, you know, as far as their progression goes, you'll notice that they've had at least a couple of leaps. And I'm going, gosh, I would love to look over like, uh, like at a chart and just see where the moments of leaps were. Cause that's what great validation of the concept uh, that's, that's obviously true, but to see it, you know, in that form, in real life examples is so cool. And I'm like, Ooh, I would love to see that, you know? And I'll just throw this out there not to go into it because we're going to talk more about the book. But if you look at anybody who's tried to learn a new subject, you watch your kids trying to learn math or, you know, something like this when they're in school or my experience learning foreign languages, or when I worked at Apple and I had to learn new software to sort of build reports on, on the progress of how the business is going. The reality of it is you learn slowly, your improvement is slow, slow, slow. And then suddenly it just makes sense. Boom. Oh, now I can do it. Right. And yeah. that is a hundred percent normal. That is a leap. And that is what that is just how improvement happens. And so part of what I want to do with this book is explain how it happens, right? Like, and then I want to explain some of the key concepts around that, that are essential to creating the necessary environment to create a leap. And then, you know, most of my examples are obviously targeted at runners and running because that's just sort of who I intended the book for. But I think in my experience, all the principles apply to pretty much anything else that you want to apply them to. Anything that requires consistent work to get better at. Well, yeah, just touch on it then since you're already kind of dancing around sure. it, the subtitle, you know, think better, train oh, better, right. run faster. Yeah. All right. Think better, train better, run faster. The fundamental reality of this is that it all starts in our heads. And I think we know that we, mm -hmm. we say that, but it's beyond that. Like we, everything we do in our lives, it's it's based on the expectations that we set for ourselves of what we can accomplish and the frameworks that we use to just understand our world. Like if you have faulty frameworks and, and information's coming in all the time, we're being bombarded with information. And if your framework for understanding the world is an unproductive framework, you're going to create poor expectations. You're going to make bad predictions. You're going to do bad work and you're not going to get the most out of whatever that situation is. Right. And yeah. One of the things I wanted to do with this is really emphasize the point that if you want to make a leap in your training, it starts with understanding training differently and better and applying those frameworks to get more out of the training you're doing. One of the things I really honestly believe is you don't have to change the workout training program that you have to get better. You can literally just apply a better approach to how you do it and you can actually make a leap. You can do That's the same true. workouts and change how you think about them and get much more out of them. It isn't, it's not the workout. 
It's not it's the not. workout. I remember, um, you know, our college coach, Eric Peterson, when we were at UCLA, he said something to me and it was profound. He was just like, dude, you know, it's up to you how much you get out of the workouts because it's literally how you're thinking about it. If you think it's not going to make you better, it won't. If yeah. you think it is, it will. And so a lot of the benefit that comes from what you're doing is how you're thinking about it. And he actually did say that about the training that we were doing so that when guys were trying to change the workouts or questioning the workouts, it was like, why? I mean, obviously, because you don't believe that they're, you don't believe, you don't think yeah. they're going to actually make you a better runner. So you think if you change it, you've convinced yourself that, that changing it according to what you think is better is going to actually yield the results that you're looking for, which when in fact, it's absolutely not true. I know that that's not true is a person is run at the highest level uh, in the sport. And honestly, like my leap didn't come because I was training differently as far as like different workouts. It was literally my mindset. That was the only thing that changed. The only thing that changed is how I thought about it. And in turn, how I approached it. That was it. I would say the same thing for me. I got exposed to a, a lot of new ideas on how to think about training and how to think about learning. To be honest, I, all of this came from learning theory and sci the psychology of learning. And and I was started to study this in school. Our good friend, Scott Abbott, former guest on the podcast, he kind of pointed me out to this to take this class that he really got a lot out of. And I took it and it completely changed the way I thought about learning. And, and then I started applying those principles. So the funny thing is the class was sort of intended to help us become better students. I took all the principles and I was like, ooh, I'm going to use these on my running because that's what I really cared about at the time, right? Was trying to get, get faster and be a better runner. And right. my running improved dramatically, but it wasn't the workouts. I didn't like recraft my training program with my coach. I just started thinking about my everything about training differently. And I think that was the key for me. It's It was the key for you. I, I know in, in talking with you and I've talked with a bunch of runners and, the, and a lot of the times it came with a, a sort of a new, a leap often follows a sort of, new perspective on training, maybe a slightly, slightly more mature look at how, what they're doing, getting a little bit more serious about things, getting a little more engaged and invested in what they're doing. Something shifts and the athletes start applying a little bit more productive thoughts around their training. And then boom, the, the physical improvement follows shortly thereafter. The key word is productive. That's right. Know. That's what I think. You so know, too. It's like, yeah. what kind of thoughts are you having? Because some plots are going to lead to greater productivity and others are going to lead to less. Yeah. Or a decrease in, in productivity. So yeah, it's funny ideas and remembering just in my own experience in terms of where, where I was at and my teammates, I remember those who did make leaps and I remember how they were different, how before, you know, the leap and then the build up to the actual leap and then witnessing it and watching them even build on those leaps. It was, it was quite phenomenal. And to give it like a framework or, uh, you know, like this book does. And especially with just the, the phrase make the leap, it's really helpful to understand how improvement really does work because then you can buy into the process more. I hope so. That's hundred percent. It. I think the reality is make the leap as a title. That is the result I want people to achieve. The, the process is the subtitle, think better, train better, and run faster, right? Like those, right. Like the, the process and, and really what the book is doing. The first chapter, it kind of explains the process of how a leap happens in a way that I think, uh, I hope people can understand and embrace. And then the rest of the book is pointing out, in I hope a very engaging way, all the little areas that make a difference and how to think about those areas to get a little bit more out of them. 
right? And yeah. and so I tried to make it be something that sort of builds on it so that each chapter starts a little bit broader and then it starts to get a little bit more specific on what you're doing, right? And so the first half is really about sort of thought processes and frameworks. And then the second half is more about what are you actually doing in your activities to apply those ideas and and, and get more out of them. Could you talk a little bit about, because I mean, obviously writing a book is a big commitment. It's a big goal or task to tackle. What was your motivation to, to actually make this attempt? I guess I had two. One is I personally made a leap running. And I think later I felt myself, you know, making leaps in many different areas, right? And, 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 start, and I felt like I understood something that I never saw anybody talking about. And I never saw mm. other, I started reading other running books, trying to see if somebody's written about this before, and there's just not there, right? Like I, I couldn't even find it in general psychology books, right? Like, like this concept. And I thought, I really feel like I, I have something valuable that, that I would like to be out in the world for people to understand. That was, that was one thing. I, there was, I felt like I had a contribution to make in that sense. But the second part, it was very personal, right? It was like, I just, I, I always saw myself as somebody who could write a book. I wanted to write a book. And, and you know, they say, like, if there's a book you want to read and, and it doesn't exist, then maybe that's your responsibility to write it, right? And so that was sort of how I, how I looked at this one. I said, well, I think runners should have this book available as a resource, these ideas, and they don't exist. So, and I care about them very deeply. I really, I'm very passionate about it. So it, it makes perfect sense for me to write, be the one who writes this book. Like this is what I should put my energy into and try to, and try to do a great job in it. I got to ask because I think it's important for people to hear it at any time they can hear it when it comes to doing something like this. What the heck were you thinking as you were going through the process of writing this, like, what was that experience like for you? Um, obviously, that that changed many times to, at different stages. But when I first got started, the the bonus was that I had a ton of resources already because I'd already sort of been. I, I took classes. I had all these different information from those periods. I had read books, so I had all these kind of resources, and that was a good thing. In the beginning, it was really excitement, and it was it was you know where do I start and trying to figure out how to make progress every day. I was getting up early at like five thirty six in the morning to work on it for thirty minutes or an hour, and it was just all it was was just make a little progress every day. Kind of that was my attitude. Just keep getting a little bit more done. In the middle, it was a little difficult because I read my first draft when I finally had a draft, and I just thought, well, this is nowhere near good enough. And I sort of was like, wow, okay, I don't know what to do now because I just spent a lot of time writing a book, and I don't even. I don't even like where it's at right now. And I, I honestly kind of shelved it. And I said, I need to take a month off or something and just, and just let it sit there. You know, and I'll be honest with you. I was really unsure what I wanted to do with it. And I hadn't shared it with anyone because I was not confident in it. Even though I was confident in the fundamental ideas, I was like, I don't, maybe I, I'm not sure if I can write it. You know, there's a, mm -hmm. you, you're going through this, this, this period. And, um, and I really want to make this point because I think it's really relevant. You and I got started on Gobi Moore, and we were talking a lot about Gobi Moore. And for me, when as soon as you talked to me about wanting to start Gobi Moore, I just saw the connection between everything I was trying to write about and what Gobi Moore is, right? Like what, what the, the fundamental intent of Gobi Moore is to help people get more out of their lives and chase their dreams and take those small steps. And I thought to myself, you know what? Like this is what I'm writing about. I should be involved in Gobi Moore. And it really, like we got started on Gobi Moore, but it also sort of relit that fire for me to finish this book. Right. Mm -hmm. And this book has been one of my sort of Gobi Moore dreams of one of these Gobi Moore goals for my life. And so anyway, I want to point that out because it it was almost like our constant talking about what it means to Gobi Moore and, and what we want to do with Gobi Moore, it really shifted 
my approach to, to getting the book and drove me. And, uh, and that, from that point on, it was just about getting it done, right? It was about, it was about doing the work and putting it in. And it took many months still, and it took a long time to get feedback from people because, you know, we're in a pandemic and trying to get people to just take a lot of time out of their day to read a book and give me feedback is, you know, the process took a while, but it was, um, and during that time I could, I had my ups and downs. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what they're going to think. Maybe I shouldn't have sent it to that person. You know, you get this. this kind yeah, of, yeah. Yeah. You yeah, go through yeah. all those oh, self-doubt. Yeah. You start talking yourself out yeah, of it yeah, real yeah. quick. You, start, you don't hear anything for like a month and you're like, oh crap. Like they probably don't like it. And it, and then they come back and see, give you great feedback. And you're like, oh, okay. They did like it. It's just your self-talk that goes on in your head. Oh yeah. Did you probably stuff. reply? <laughs> yeah. You probably reply. Are you sure? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so uh, yeah, I, this is how I am. And now I'm at this point where I'm 100% confident in the contents of the book. I'm 100% confident in, in everything I've written. And now it's it's shifted. I got to figure out how to sell the book, right? And that's a new thing for me to learn. And that's where I maybe don't have a ton of confidence. But at the same time, I have a process. I have a, a set of principles that I've outlined in this book that I'm applying to that challenge now. And I'm, I actually am confident that, that I will figure it out, even though even if I don't know how to do it right now. Confirm really quickly, just because you don't have to dive too much into this yeah. particular thing, but I think it's a cool point just to make. How long ago did this journey begin? Oh, uh, man, from, I don't from, know. You know what I mean? Yeah, where, where, where was the starting line for you? Okay, uh, you might remember this. As a senior in college, I asked Coach Peterson to let me have a team meeting. It was right before the fall break or the, the winter break or summer break. I don't remember which break it was, but I asked him to have a meeting and I literally gave everybody a packet of worksheets to do over the break to think about their training. And I, I had like a one hour thing where I was talking about yeah. this. It was very rough. It was, it was probably terrible. I'm sure all, everybody in the, in the room was like, I don't know what Brian's trying to do. He, he has no plan. He doesn't know how to, I don't know what he's talking about, but I just, I look back on it. I don't even remember it that well, but I know I did it. And that was the first time I started to really think these concepts are really important and they were important to me then. And I kind of knew they were important to me then. Right. And then, but then did you experience a leap before that. Cause I feel like yes. you had justification yes. for having the meeting. Cause I do remember the meeting. I don't remember like every single detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the meeting though. And I remember this getting this sense of like, Coach Peterson was very supportive of it. Yes. And it made sense to him. And I, you know, credit to him for really, I think, supporting his athletes and yeah. leadership on the team as well. And I think he the greatest way to develop leadership within any organization is to put people in positions to actually lead. And so I think he did that with you, but you did make the leap before that. Yeah, you, that was you, it. You, okay. What I, happened I, is I, okay. So we all had a reason to listen to you then because you were kicking butt. Yeah, I had gone from being like this uh, this average runner in the Pac-10 to being, you know, winning races in cross country, finishing third in the 10K. And I was sort of all of a sudden like one of the top runners in the Pac-10. And I sort of was crediting a lot of these principles and this new approach to thinking about training for helping me to do that. And I wanted to share it. And and uh, it's funny, I don't remember much of that meeting anymore and, and what I was sharing, what exactly I was doing. But that's that was the start of my belief that this is something that is not just, it wasn't just for me, right? Like it was something that applied to everybody. And then, and then over time, you know, I started on an outline when I was in graduate school, I, I thought, Oh, maybe I can write this book. I started a blog. I wrote that blog for a while led to be doing some other writing things. But the reality is I, I, I wasn't hundred percent committed to it at that time. And then I got a job at Apple. I started to have kids. I was m just so overwhelmed with other things that it was I never really sat down and wrote it. I never started on it. And, and that was, you know, it was always in the back of my mind, but I was never committed to it. And it took me sort of leaving Apple to even feel like I had the mental bandwidth to try to do it. 
And so then it, the process, like really writing a book, it started then. Like that was when I, when I really started, which was a couple of years ago. Yeah. No, I do recall that, that meeting. I do recall little nuggets, um, yeah. breadcrumbs leading up to this moment of other things that you were doing and doing very well. I, I remember like a blog that you had that you established that was great. I mean, I thought the writing was, I was quite jealous to be honest with you. I was like, geez, he's a really good writer. I didn't know he was actually <laughs> a writer. I know you studied philosophy and all this other stuff in college. And I'm like, and I mean, I was always impressed. I knew you were extremely intelligent and articulate as far as communicating ideas. But I was like, He's actually a great writer too. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Brian, let's dive a little bit into the book. And I know that it would be great to touch on goals for the book, maybe at the end, um, sure. right yeah. before we close out this this episode. But let's go over some of the topics that you're addressing, um, high level, but yep. topics that you're addressing in the book so that everybody can kind of get an idea of what's in the book and like how specifically these topics are going to help them think better. Perfect. So the book, um, the overall structure is the first chapter explains what a leap is and you can okay. understand exactly w- what that means and, and how it's generated by feedback loops and what a leap cycle is, and what you can expect to see in your training. And if you go look back on your improvement, what you'll probably see if you look back on it and look for a leap, what you're going to find. After that, I have all my chapters are focused on what I call optimal training principles, which are a key principle that when you, when you apply it, it will improve some aspect of your training, right? Mm-hmm. And these are all, the whole book is about how we think about training. I don't have a ton of work. I don't have a, you know, workout tables. I don't have training programs. It's not that kind of book because my honest opinion is that whatever of those training programs and those books you're using to, to train, this book will help you get more out of those. That's my intention is that this is a compliment to any other running book that you're reading. So um, the beginning section. Can I interrupt you for just a second? Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. I just want to say that I I think that's a great point, Brian. I think that I see it as a compliment to all these other great running books because this does use running as as the analogy or as the example, right? To help it help put into practice or at least understanding these principles that are um, dived into and utilized in the book. But I think it's a great complimentary book to other um, running books. I think you're hundred percent right because this is addressing one aspect of what's happening or what people need to be cognizant of when they're training and doing all that physical work, there's a mental side of it as well. And you need a tool, you need resources to address that. This does that. I think that's 100% right. I don't think I can write the training book that goes into the physiology of running as well as the people who've already written them. And so I want to use their books for that. Like mine, and mine is not trying to just say, hey, here's a bunch of psychological principles that you should know about. I'm trying to say, this is how you actually need to apply that principle to your training. Like actually, I want it to be practical and applicable. And I want it to literally, I really do want it to help you think differently about what you're training, not just be aware that there's important ideas out there, but to actually change how you think. And that's a big deal. Yeah. And that's that's a very big deal because it's one thing to, oh, tell me about this or that principle. That's great. But if you can help them to apply that, that's huge. That's my goal. It's one thing to tell me about it. It's another thing to tell me how to apply it. Exactly. So, so basically the book goes into each chapter talks about a training principle. And what I try to give are frameworks and mental models for thinking differently and telling you where you should be applying them. And so some of the topics, just high level, I, I introduce feedback loops and I explain how they work and why they create leaps and what a leap cycle is. 
I talk about something I've been working on for a long time called the momentum model, which is a very simple way to frame your training mentally like or on paper if you want to draw it out that actually helps you to really identify what's helping you and hurting you in your training mm -hmm. i talk about concepts like engagement and what i call the hidden training program which is the, like all these things that you need to be doing but maybe nobody's going to tell you and you got to figure it out for yourself and i give mm -hmm. some examples around what those are i talk about uh, responsibility and how you share that with coaches and how to think differently about that to get more out of what you're doing there's a couple chapters on growth mindset and self-efficacy, which are just critical for believing that you can achieve what you intend to achieve. Mm. I talk a lot about these two different concepts called systems and purposeful practice. And these are two different approaches to doing the work. And one of them focuses on being as, as putting in as little work as energy as possible. And the other talks about putting as, as maximum work as possible. And I talk about how to do both of those and where to do them. I talk about next step goals and North star goals, which I think we've talked about once or twice on this podcast early on where they've come up, but that's one of the chapters is, is really talking about what makes those different. And then, uh, I mean, lots of other areas, but like how to think about making mistakes, how to think about risk, how to think about analyzing your stuff, how to think about the importance of prioritizing where you focus on improving now. And, and there's other mental models like the 80, 20 rule and some psychological theories like attribution theory. So there's a lot of these topics in there. And I really try to tie them together so that as I introduce one, as you go through the book, you see how it integrates with everything else. And by the end of the book, I hope, and this is the feedback I get is that I think it's a comprehensive guide for understanding how to think about training more productively. Um, I don't expect everything in this book to be like an epiphany for, for everybody who reads it. But I am very confident that whoever reads it is going to come away with a, a new appreciation for at least a few areas of their training. And if they can improve in those areas, that might set them up to make a leap by just that alone. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's possible. I mean, my mind is racing with so many different things that I'd love to say about just the significance of how you think about things in general. Um, in any area of your life, I think that that's important to recognize that it's the thinking that's really determining your actions and your actions, obviously, what you do determines what happens. And so I love the idea of what you've done with this book. So I'm always, I'm always every conversation I have with you, I feel like I'm learning more and more feedback loops. I'm like, I've never even really even thought about what that is, but that's a big buzz phrase uh, in this book. So can you talk about what feedback loops are and why do they generate leaps? Sure. All right. So feedback loops, you know, I didn't invent feedback loops. Feedback loops is a scientific term from engineering and, and other things, but here's a basic idea of a feedback loop. A feedback loop is any activity where the result of the activity feeds back into the cycle, the process that's happening over and over and over again, right? So training is a natural feedback loop because at the beginning of, let's say the beginning of today, we start off, we do our training. Tomorrow, the output is whatever we improved or didn't improve, let's say if we injure ourselves in our training, right? Whatever the results of our training are, that's the result of our process. But now we're gonna take all of those improvements or injuries or whatever it is that, that came out of our training. And we're going to feed them back into the cycle because tomorrow we're going to train again, right? Mm -hmm. And every day we're going to train. And so this is a cycle that repeats over and over and over again. And every time it repeats, we are feeding back whatever improvement or whatever change that we made for one day, we're feeding that back into the cycle the next day. So it's a feedback loop in that we're executing a process every day, which is our training. 
Or if you want to take it on the side, it's every, it's you're studying for a language or it's your lear- whatever you're learning or whatever you're doing, you're doing this process. And then the results are being fed back in and repeated over and over and over again. And that's mm-hmm. the simplest way to think about a feedback loop is that you're doing a process and some aspect of the results are getting fed back into the cycle. Okay. Now, if you can repeat that cycle in such a way that every day it gets even a tiny bit better, just marginally better, 1%. 0.1%. It doesn't matter. What if you get a little bit better, the results start to do what's called compounding. And the idea is around that is that if you start with $100 and you make $1 today, tomorrow you have $101. Well, now if you make 1%, that's $1 and 1 cent. And that 1 cent is a, is 1 cent more than you made yesterday. Every time you repeat the cycle, you make a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And this is why they tell you to invest in 401ks. It's why they tell you to invest in, in the <laughs> stock market. It's why they tell you to, to do these things, to compound the interest over time. The same general idea, not the same as money, but the same general idea applies to our training. Every day you show up at practice and, and every day you do the work and you carry back into that work the improvement from yesterday, the better you get, right? You start off every day a little better than you were before, and you have an opportunity to keep growing and improving. And as you do this over time, you don't see a big improvement right away, but it can generate a big improvement in the future as all those improvements start to accrue on top of each other. And that's the fundamental idea of the feedback loop. It's not trying to improve by today's workout. It's trusting that with a tiny amount of improvement every day, you're going to get the big improvement in the future. Is there a key to maintaining the feedback loop? Well, I mean, I would say it's consistency, but it's not just consistency. The funny thing about this is that um, I was actually really thinking a lot about this, and this is not exactly how I spoke about it in the book, but I think there's, when you're thinking about training, there's sort of three words that stand out to me, quality, recovery, and consistency. And quality is just like, how good is your training program and how good are you training? Like, what exactly are you doing? Are you doing the right things in the right way? And that's quality. Recovery is like how much of, of your improvement are you carrying back in? Are you sort of improving in your training and then losing all that improvement by leading a, a, a crappy lifestyle? Or are you doing the necessary work outside of practice to make sure that the next day you show up and you're ready to go, right? Mm-hmm. And then the consistency is like feedback loops don't work in one day. There's no such thing as a feedback loop that is only one cycle. The whole idea of it is you have to do it over and over and over again. So the more you can string together with a consistent, positive uh, feedback loop of consistent growth, the more potential you have to make a loop in the future and make a leap in the future. Yeah, it's funny. And and I'm thinking about my own personal experience just to explain it very quickly. So what happened to me was, because I feel like what you're describing aligns exactly with my own experience. When I made a very significant leap. You know, what I did was I was spending a lot of time injured. But when I had my my big leap, quite a few different things happened. I mean, it wasn't that I was never consistent, but I think that the thing that changed for me as far as consistency is concerned was how I was thinking about things. So mm-hmm. I adjusted how I was thinking about things. And then I made a, a very concerted, very conscientious decision to consistently think those things, even if I didn't initially believe it in the beginning about myself or about how I felt about things. I just knew that thinking about it the other way wasn't working. So I had to, you know, buy into like these different concepts that was more positive, that built me up, that built up my um, energy to just do the work and to be 
uplifted versus depressed and negative and pessimistic because I was so pessimistic and I'd spent so much time living in that place because of the compounded, uh, you know, impact of thinking a certain negative way, you know? Mm -hmm. So I switched over to a very optimistic, positive, just like, Hey, this is my attitude and I'm just sticking with it. No matter what the results are, it wasn't results oriented at all. So that's where the consistency came from and how I was thinking. And then my training was interesting because I made certain decisions about how I was going to train. So I said, I'm going to, and this was extreme, but I, I was like, I was committed to finding out how great I could be. I was not concerned when I didn't think, Oh, if I do this, it's going to, it could possibly lead to being, being signed by Nike, you know, six months from now, I didn't, in my last year in college, I wasn't thinking about that at all. All I was thinking was I'm going to run as hard as I can in every hard workout every single time. And if I can't finish the workout, I'm not going to be caught up in that because that was the thing. It's like, it was more important for most people, most runners, especially at that time, the way that we all thought, I felt like collectively the thought was I have to finish the 10 reps, even if I don't hit the numbers that the coach is putting out there. When in reality, the coach typically wants to see both ideal scenario is you, you do 10 reps of 400 meters at 58 second pace and, you know, 58 seconds per quarter mile. And you're able to click it off doing it in the rest, do it within the rest period required or asked of you. And, and you bang out 10. I was like, Hey, if I could do six at 58 and my body shuts down after six, it's a great quality workout. Even if I don't get the other four, most people think of the last four, not being able to do it. You think you, you look at yourself in a negative way and you see yourself as a failure. So you're not willing to go for the, the high quality number and, and quality workout. And you sacrifice that for just hitting the numbers saying, Hey, at least I finished the workout. I knew that it was more important for me to push myself and see if I can hit 10 at 58, even if it only led to six. So I was really going for broke in every hard workout. And then I, I knew that if I was going to do that, that I had to make a decision with recovery. So I decided that on the easy days, I went as slow. I was the slowest person on the, on all the runs in between interval workouts. Mm. I did not care about what we, what I did on the road. I, I mean, I wanted to run as easily as I needed to, to recover for the next hard workout, because I knew that the way that I thought about it, just so y'all know was I'm like, I'm willing to die tomorrow in my workout. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm willing to die in my workout to see how good I can be. Cause I'm like, that's where it mattered most, the hard workouts. So I focused on the quality. I doubled down on the recovery. I slept probably 10, 12 hours a day. And I was consistently thinking in a positive way. Now, if you guys know anything about my running career, I went from being a guy that was like a 403 miler leading up to my fourth year in college to becoming a 355 miler by the end of that same season. So I went from 403 to 355, you know, actually 352. I'm sorry, because I ran 335, 1500 meters that summer. And so that's unbelievable leap. That's an unbelievable leap. And then I kept doing it. Um, that was that was the experience, though. And the way that you describe all this stuff, I got to tell you, it's kind of eerie because it's exactly what I went through. It was exactly what I needed to do in order for any real kind of leap to even be possible. Here's what I would say. Everything you just described fits conversations I've had with multiple people, but the details are different. What you specifically needed to shift and how you thought might've been different than what somebody else needs to do. And where you got your gains was a little bit different. Like in my case, 
I made a leap by actually really improving what I was doing in in all of my runs in the in between the interval runs as well as in my out, in my lifestyle outside of training. In your case, it was slightly different. The emphasis was on the hard the hard interval days. But the point I want to make on it is that it all starts in the same thing. It's finding some way to improve the quality, to improve the feedback loop that you're of your training. It, it can be, you can put the emphasis into the quality. You can put the emphasis into the recovery or into the consistency. You kind of need to do all three, but, but all of us have weaknesses in all of these areas. And that's where we need to find them and weed them out. And that's one of the things I try to highlight are these are simple ways to improve your feedback loop. And, and mm-hmm. they're simple, not because they're easy, but once you understand them and think about them the right way, it makes it a little bit easier to take action on improving them. Right. And that's, that's one of the key things, but everything you said, it makes me think, I want to explain really briefly what a leap cycle is for anybody who's curious, because I do think that this is a fundamental thing. You'll see this in your training. You'll see this in, when you learn a new subject, you'll see this when you're in your work, anywhere you're applying, you're doing, working hard every day. The reality is you do a bunch of work, your feedback loop, you've got it going, right? And you don't see a lot of improvement. I call this the build stage. This is where you're figuring out how to improve your feedback loop and make it strong. Then when it really gets going and it's really clicking and you've been consistent for enough time, that's when it starts to change and it moves into a leap. And so you have to maintain consistency for a long period of time. The better your feedback loop, the less time it takes, but any improvement in your feedback loop of every day that you're doing will will lead to a leap in the future. It just mm-hmm. depends on how much time it's going to take, right? And so yeah. when you then you're going to make a leap and you're going to move up and and that leap is going to take you as high as your what I just basically call your short-term potential. That's you're, you're going to improve as much as you can based off of the quality of the work you're doing. Once you hit that sort of potential and you you make that leap, then you're going to sort of plateau again. And you're going to hit a steady state where you stop improving a lot. And that's normal. That's the sustained phase. You build and then you make a leap and then, and then you, you sort of flatten out and you hit a sustained phase. And that sustained phase doesn't mean you're done. It just means now you have to find a new way to improve your quality, to improve your recovery, to improve your consistency, such that you start a new build phase because you've improved your feedback loop. And every time you right. can consistently improve your feedback loop, you're setting yourself up to make a leap in the future. And that simple way of thinking can unlock quite a lot of improvements in your life because now you're looking at improvements, tiny improvements in your life don't seem insignificant. All of those tiny improvements, there's a model that you can apply them to where you can see how these tiny improvements are going to lead to a major improvement in the future. Amazing. No, I couldn't agree more, man. You know, And I know that we've been talking about running, Brian, And obviously this is the foundation of the book is based upon the example of running, the context that running kind of helps frame what you've written about. But I don't think that this is necessarily applicable solely to running, even though it's extremely helpful for anybody that's a runner and wants to improve as a runner. And obviously thinking differently about improving the way that you're thinking about your running is going to help tremendously. But what is your thoughts on it's applicability outside of the sport of running. Well, it's hundred percent applicable to anything, anything where it takes consistent work to get better, right? Like it, it's not going to help you win the lottery. It's not going to help you it, in, in sure there's areas of life where it doesn't apply, but most areas of life, I think it does apply. The thing is, I, and honestly, everybody who read the first draft of the book came back to me, uh, not everybody, but a number of people said, Hey, you know, this isn't really a running book as much as you're, so why, why are you only aiming at runners? You could sell this to anybody. And my answer about that was, to be honest, I don't really want to compete with Malcolm Gladwell 
on my book right now, like on trying to sell this thing, even if everybody could technically read it, all of my first application of this came in running and running has just brought me so much value to my life and what I, how I think about my life and how I, how I structure everything. And, and the community of runners are ambitious. They're driven, they're thoughtful, they're intelligent. They want to get better at what they're doing. And I thought I could write this book for them. I can imagine them. I can, I know who I'm speaking to. I know exactly who I'm writing to when I write this book. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to sell it to them. Can anybody read it and get a ton out of it? Absolutely. And actually I, you know, we started off this conversation talking about social media right? Like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe the good way as we approach the end of this, of this episode, maybe it's good to talk, spend a couple minutes talking again about social media, because everything I said earlier about feedback loops, that is a hundred percent applicable to how you think about social media, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to build a social media following, yeah, you can, you can have a strategy of try to make the most viral video in the world. And you can hope that that gets you a hundred thousand followers in a day. And it happens. People do it every day, whether they intend to or not. But is that a strategy? I don't know. It's not a strategy that I want to put a lot of confidence in. And it's certainly not a strategy that works outside of fluky things like social media. But you can apply the same idea of feedback loops to social media, right? The feedback loop quality, how good are your posts, right? How, how are, are they the right posts for the, targeted at the right audience who, who you're trying to reach? Fundamental question. Once you figure that out, if it's high quality, that's a good start. You've got a good feedback loop. Recovery is a little different. This is more like, is it, I would say for social media, you have to shift that a little bit and say, is it shareable? Are you, is it engaging? Are you engaging with the people who are engaging with your content such that you're building that relationship and that community of of bouncing ideas back and forth and creating that value together? And then consistency, you you have to be posting consistently. That's the part that I almost don't want to do because I don't want to be on social media all the time. But it's fundamental if you're consistent with high quality and you're engaging and you're doing the work in the right way, your followers will grow. It, would, it takes time and, and you might find that they grow a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then one day they start growing a lot because you've really hit your groove. And, and I, it doesn't mean you're going to go from you know, 100 to 1,000 to 100,000. Well, you're probably going to go up to a thousand and plateau and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to build and you're going to leap and you're going to sustain. And then you're going to have to shift what you're doing and change your strategy a little bit, change how you're thinking about what you're, what content you're producing. And that will start a new cycle and you'll build and then you'll leap and then you'll sustain. And you just keep, keep iterating and keep improving. And over time you find yourself with a big community and a big following. I, this is like, have I executed it? No, but this is the way I'm thinking about social media because (laughs) it makes sense to me as a strategy that I can implement on a daily basis. And it, with a mindset of consistent improvement, which I just think is something that I can, I have applied successfully in running. I've applied it in learning languages. I've applied it in other things. And I'm, I'm hundred percent confident it will work to grow social media. We can't really dive into it too much, but like the, you know, last thing I'd want to say about that is the idea of like next step versus North star goals yeah. and, you know, connecting it to how it applies to social media. So the North Star goal for everybody is like 10,000 followers plus, right? And, you know, the reality is you're starting at zero. And the only way to honestly, you know, without doing a lot of, you know, growth hacking is to do this consistent, purposeful, value-driven content. And, you know, also engaging, you know, it's finding that right formula thinking about it the right way. And this is where we're at now. So we can talk about it, you know, and and I'm happy to be now applying this after, you know, almost two years of really just 
looking at it before not really being on it to trying to get on it to now being in the place where I'm actually getting comfortable because of how I see it. And I'm like, yeah, I stopped honestly thinking about the North star goal at all. Like I, I don't really care how many followers we get. All I care about is providing value to those that are following us to the community that we are trying to build uh, specifically for go be more. Uh, and now for make the leap, which I think they overlap, but in all honesty, I'm focused on next steps, executionable actions and activities that are like micro goals versus that North Star goal, which ah, it'd be great if we get there someday. But I'm more excited to, to get to that 10,000 follower number, that benchmark, only if it's 10,000 real authentic followers, not 10,000 fake accounts, bots and whatever else. Like I, I really would love to have 10,000 people in our community, you know, that are champions for the go be more motto. And so that's, so that's how, how I see it. I think that if you break it down from next step versus North star, take focus on the next steps. What are the executionable things you can do every day that can lead you hopefully to some type of bigger accomplishment in due time when it actually is supposed to happen. And when it will actually be something you can reap the rewards from again, as it relates specifically to, social media marketing. This is it. I mean, at the end of the day, North Star goals are super valuable. It's valuable to have that goal and know where you want to head. Uh, you want to you want to get 10,000 followers, you want to you want to become the head of your department at your work, you want to learn this language, you want to run a 4-minute mile. All these are great goals, but the simple truth is is that your ability to achieve that is based off what you're doing right now today. And that's where you need the next step goal, right? And the next step yeah. goal is not going to get you there. There's no, there's no one step to get to that goal. It's going to take thousands of steps probably. So what is the right step to be doing right now? And once you shift your mentality to that, it, it honestly, it makes it a little bit easier to not stress the North Star goal and to just focus on doing the good work and, and trusting that, that the good work is going to lead to where you want to go. And I'm, you know, it's one of the main, main topics in the book. And it's one of the main frameworks for thinking about my work that I apply in everything I do. And so I hope that people take a lot out of it when they, when they look at it, John, as we wrap up, I'm oh, sorry, maybe I cut you off, but I was going to say, I, I just want to throw out a couple more things, just some high level information for people to know about it. And then, yeah, that's we'll what I was going to ask. Just, just give, give, just give some of the actionable things or things that people could reference or have in mind as they think about um, getting the book and, and getting the most that they can out of the book. Yeah. So a couple of things, a couple of these are just highlights. A couple of them are more sort of actionable, but like a big highlight for me is my old coach, Hall of Fame coach, Bob Larson, former guest on the podcast here. He wrote the foreword, which I can't be happier about. Like he just, he's, it, it meant a lot. It meant, it was really hard to overstate how much when he wrote me back and said how much he liked the book, it meant a lot to me. And and obviously he knows a lot. He knows way more about running than I'll ever know about running, right? So <laughs> oh, man. Um, I've had great feedback from a bunch of coaches. If you are a coach or if you know coaches, coaches really resonate with this book. And so even if it's not the book for you, if you know a coach, by, like, please point it out to them. I honestly think it will help them be a better coach. Um, it's created opportunities for me to speak to teams and, and I've totally enjoyed doing it. And, I'm, and I need to become better at a speak, as a speaker. It's one of those... It's one of those other other areas of my life that I'm going to use this book to try to improve on. But I've gotten to do my first interview as a podcast guest, which is kind of a strange thing. I'm usually on the other side of it being the interviewer, right? So it's a little bit, yeah. a little bit odd. But all these are things that just, I call them out because 
one of my goals, you asked me about goals. I, I won't spend a lot of time because we got to wrap up. But the, the thing is, my goal was not to be on the New York Times bestseller. It was not to sell uh, 10,000 books or whatever. I didn't have a number around that. My goal was to, to prove to myself I could write a book, to impact other people's lives positively via the book that I wrote, and then to learn a lot more about myself and about these areas, these spaces around the book, how to, how to write a book, how to publish a book, how to learn how to be a better speaker, how to learn how to be a better interviewee, how to, how to market things, how to sell things. That's for me, this book is, it's, those are my goals. They're more about me and about, about my learning than they are about the actual sales numbers. Does that mean I don't care about the sales? No, I want to sell a ton of them. I want it. I want to, you know, I want to make money off of it. I want to do all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's helped me in a lot of ways. And, and one of the things I'm trying to do right now is building the social media feed, which we talked a little bit at make the leap book dot, oh, no, at, not.com at make the leap book on whatever the channels are. I'm publishing a newsletter weekly that highlights ways to think better about stuff. I made a workbook. Actually, we didn't even talk about this, but for teams or for anybody who's interested in sort of applying the ideas in a more proactive way, I made a workbook that corresponds to the book. It has little summaries of the chapters and specific targeted questions that you can actually, you know, write in the book and you can fill it out. I've tried to really put a lot of effort into this. I mean, it's a lot more than it's been a lot more than just writing a book. And um, I'm looking forward as we go this year. We talked about in the last episode, our theme for this year is make the leap. And we've decided, so we're going to adopt some of these ideas and put them into what we're doing. And I'm just really looking forward to connecting these ideas into what we're doing at GoBeMore and and hopefully helping everybody in our community listening today. Well, it'll resonate with with you, I hope. And then, and then I hope that it, it in some way it adds value to your life. I think that it will. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is we all want to grow. We all want to go be more. We all want to make the leap. And that's our, our goal with this, this company, with this brand, with anything that we do. Honestly, I think that our purpose, at least it seems to be based on our actions. We believe that our purpose is to help one another and to help each other and to help those that, you know, connect with us through our brands and this book is another tool for that. And it's worth giving it a shot. You know, if you're going to read stuff, you're going to read anything. I, I would honestly beg, you know, the question of why not read this book? I'm excited for you, Brian. Again, congratulations as um, just your friend and a peer. I'm extremely proud of you for being able to do it. And I am excited to support you and reaching more people with it. So let's, you know, make it the theme for this year for Go Be More as, as a company and for our Dream Chaser community. Let's all make the leap with Brian Green in 2021. All right, John, thank you very much. And anyone, by all means, reach out to me. If you have questions, if you have any other thoughts about it, we're always here. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your feedback. And the journey continues, John. Let's do it. Let's make the leap. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. If you enjoyed that conversation and you want to send us feedback directly, my email is brian at gobymore.co. Thank you to Michelle at Creatives Collective Marketing for assistance with editing and show notes. If you enjoy the pod, the easiest way to help us is to tell a friend. Whether it's this episode or a past favorite, share it with someone and help them go be more inspired. At Go Be More, we know that our clothes can reinforce our commitment to be who we aspire to be. So stop by our shop and go be more committed to chasing your dreams today. For all of us at Go Be More, we are what the world is chasing, and we hope this podcast helps you become what the world is chasing too.